Welcome, my name is Dave Trier. I'm the VP of Solutions with ModelUp. And today we have with us our CTO and co-founder, Stu Bailey. In this podcast, we're gonna talk a little bit about how enterprises are trying to bring some control in governance around AI when it really is still the wild west of AI. So Stu, welcome, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. And we'll spend a few minutes just talking a little bit about what what I've seen in the enterprise, too. But I'd love to get your opinion around how enterprises, which I really, from what we've seen, have started to rapidly increase the adoption of AI across the enterprises, how they are starting to, to bring some order into that, that chaos of, of really what I've seen quite a bit of the Wild West. Uh, and in particular, I think in a, a recent Gartner study that uh, I saw that uh, a number of CIOs in the top Fortune 500 companies are stating that AI is really a top game-changing technology, and, and they have plans to deploy AI in the next 12 months. But with that, uh, I actually was just talking with a, a recent CIO of a, a Fortune 100 pharma company, and he mentioned that there is actually 10 different groups across the organization that are all doing AI, and he really worries that it's getting out of control. So I'm just curious, Stu, about your opinion about how you've seen these large enterprises handle or start to gain some control around the various pockets of AI across the enterprise. Sure. No, this is actually a very exciting time, Dave, uh, at the end of 2019 and coming into 2020. Um, you know, we're seeing, as you said, um, the, the AI initiatives that have been scattered um, across the large enterprise and also um, going at different paces, really starting to um, organize in a more meaningful way um, in terms of overall uh, enter an overall enterprise journey, a more strategic journey um, that is also more efficient in terms of how it's benefiting the organization. Um, and and to, you know, there's two kinds of ways. There's two kinds of threads of organization. One is um, the organiz. Well, actually, three. There's the strategic imperative that enterprise AI is a thing. It's really a transformative thing that is changing how the enterprise is viewing decision making. Uh, and that's that. I think the recognition of that um, today is is uh, really strikingly different than it was even two or three years ago. Um, mm -hmm. There's also the organizational chaos, as you mentioned, all the different groups, different lines of businesses that had started their own data science projects or um, different IT infrastructure groups that had started to prepare in different ways for the AI journey. Um, so the kind of organizational alignment is starting to uh, come together uh, in a meaningful way. And then there's the technology. Um, and, you know, there's just been a lot of very fast moving, high velocity innovation um, across data science and data ops and IT ops and DevOps. Um, and now as enterprise AI is really becoming recognized as, as a strategic and meaningful imperative, those are organizing as well. And, uh, you know, interestingly, there's a name for this capability that mm -hmm. is the thread that organize is organizing both you know, or all through the strategic imperative, organizational alignment, and technical organization, or how an enterprise thinks about technology. And that theme is this capability model ops. So in the same way that DevOps and um, uh, Agile and software delivery helped organize the modernization of enterprise software, Model Ops is really the foundational capability that we see aligning the business imperative of enterprise AI 
all the way through the organizational um, alignment and down through the most deep areas of technical um, sophistication and how the technology, the relationship of technology to the enterprise journey. And so this model ops capability um, is starting to bring some order to that wild west uh, of AI that we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, that, thanks, Stu. That, that really helps to bring to light a, a lot of what you're talking about. And I've certainly seen quite a bit of activity around this capability called model ops, not only from practitioners, but from from customers and, and from uh, vendors as well. So is this something that you're seeing a lot of momentum in recent times? Yeah, I mean, again, it's been exciting. Uh, you know, from our customers uh, have started to really organize around model ops as a capability, but generally the market conversation, model ops is becoming an organizing principle. We see that in the, how the analysts, for example, are organizing vendors. You know, we have mm -hmm. now model factory. It used to be, okay, lots of ways to build models and data science platforms and, you know, AI platforms. But now there's a more, um, I think, well-defined organization uh, of, of vendors and capabilities like model factories. That's what mm -hmm. data scientists use. Um, you know, uh, data platforms. Um, that, and that is what needs to feed the model factories as well as models in production. Um, uh, how model ops as a capability is laid over the um, CICD, Agile, and DevOps capabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of these types of um, activities are certainly um, aligning more quickly, and that's bringing to light how different models are from other assets uh, and when they come into an enterprise AI journey. All the large enterprises have been doing modeling uh, forever, right? Uh, but generally in a line of business with a very specific set of tools, to turn that into an automated decisioning journey with enterprise AI, um, this model ops uh, organization you know, just has to happen. And yes, we've just been seeing a tremendous uh, amount of activity from kind of thought leaders and you know, industry analysts all the way through our experience with large enterprise customers. Oh, that, that, that's, a, that's a great uh, set of topics there to dive into. And specifically, you mentioned DevOps and drawing parallels to the DevOps world. I really think about and, and, and seeing our different customers and their adoption of AI, this really does harken back to the early days of DevOps from, from my perspective, in which case moving from having a developer just immediately put code into production I'm seeing the same sort of thing with the, the customers that I work with in terms of AI, where they're used to just the data scientist develops their model on their, their local workstation, then puts it into production. But it, it, that's just something that if we want to gain proper control and governance, and ultimately for the regulated industries have appropriate compliance with that, that's just something that is not going to work. So I, I'm just curious if, if you're seeing this as a similar paradigm to what you saw in the DevOps world and, and how you've seen enterprises try to address this with this model ops capability. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, as you said, it's not only similar, it's intimately related to the fairly mature software delivery um, uh, mechanism and processes um, in the large enterprise today. Um, but a lot of what we do in helping a large organization start to really build that strategic model ops capability is um, help them avoid that pitfall 
of thinking, oh, well, hey, we know how to deliver software. How much harder is it to deliver models? And in fact, the, you know, the answer is, well, we absolutely want to leverage, you know, model ops. That capability must leverage the software delivery mechanism to its fullest extent, because in many important aspects, um, models are uh, software assets, but it also has to fill the gap. Um, and also there's new newer organizational components like the data scientists who might not have had the long history of operationalizing assets in a 24 by 7 way. So allowing things like model registration and um, uh, model and repeatability, which things that, you know, we'd always do for software, like you check in your code, you know where it is, you know who checked it in. And when we build an asset and run it, we can always run it again and reproduce things. And if there's an error, we can take it back and make sure we understand exactly where that error is. It's not just a write code and throw it over the wall and get it deployed. So helping organizations kind of develop that repeatability uh, and registration processes in the model ops context um, is an important kind of first step uh, that we've found that has been important in helping uh, enterprises on that model ops journey. No, absolutely. And, and, and for me, especially in the regulated industries, financials and others, that model reproducibility that you mentioned is such an important topic as you start to have models that come under regulatory discretion, right? They need to have that overall ability to support to report to the regulators that here is how that model was created the test data that was used who signed off on it etc so is that something that you're saying that model ops as a capability helps to, to drive that visibility and repeatability that's that's correct across the board first it model ops as a capability helps the business understand this is an important thing to invest in you know mm -hmm. things like model model reproducibility we have to invest in that and that requires training and organizational alignment for the different stakeholders in a model's journey to production to be aware of what they need to do to ensure this kind mm -hmm. of model reproducibility uh, overall and finally the right technical um uh, right technologies have to be in place to ensure that that process is um, very well understood and documented as well as on a journey to for full automation because in the enterprise ai space if we're not driving toward the ultimate goal of automation it's not really ai um, so absolutely model ops kind of uh, as it's now being talked about at large in the marketplace becomes a very concrete um, set of requirements and organizing principles um, to help an organization, um, not just philosophically, but very tangibly um, uh, enable these kind of uh, capabilities like model reproducibility, which are uh, required. Oh, thank, thanks for that, Stu. And, and hand in hand, I'm thinking about the, the financial institutions that I work with, hand in hand with reproducibility is often explainability or interpretability of those models. So with, I've just heard a lot and just want to get your perspective on that one of the biggest barriers to entry for, especially the regulated industries, is that AI models are, a lot of them are black box, inherently black box. And that's something that is, there's not a lot of guidance yet from a, a regulatory agency perspective. SR 7-11 was written many years ago when it was fairly high level. So perhaps you could talk a little bit about how you've seen your enterprises address the fact that they need to create interpretable models for compliance purposes. Yeah, no, this is a and this is a thing that really um, diverges from the traditional software journey and is much more um, uh, closely aligned with risk 
and other business imperatives when it comes to decisioning. And AI really stands to um, have a dramatic impact on the relationship of a large enterprise to risk and its um, uh, and how that risk is related to very deep technical questions and specifically mathematical and algorithmic and statistical questions. So this is a really new facet for the enterprise to struggle with in terms of their journey to AI. And once again, the model ops capability provides that concrete connective tissue between the business concerns uh, in terms of risk and in explainability and regulation interpretability, kind of what we generally call in the model ops framework governance, right? The governance of models um, and how they relate to these now hyper sophisticated technical um, uh, um, methods that are being used to do the decisioning, right? So, um, you know, explainability and interpretability uh, are kind of table stakes uh, in terms of a having an automated um, business accountable process that surfaces these metrics and the appropriate reports um, that can work with as sophisticated as an algorithm as the enterprise is comfortable using and sometimes even the level of interpretability um, that's available in a particular type of algorithm or machine learning process today might even guide like the adoption rate of certain techniques depending on the regulatory environment they're involved in. So uh, it really can't be understated how important it is for a large organization embarked on this enterprise AI journey to look at model ops and specifically the governance aspect to provide concrete direction around interpretability, bias, fairness, all of these types of aspects of algorithmic and machine learning decisioning that ultimately um, expose the organization to a tremendous amount of risk. Oh, that, that's absolutely my experience as well. And, and, and overall, if I, if I heard you correctly, that the model ops capabilities you described it really transcends beyond the low level technical details of, of deployment and technical monitoring, but actually becomes a, a business centric tool for not only the lines of business, but also the compliance officers, the chief risk officers, and others that are looking at it from a business perspective. Did, did I capture that correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely right. In fact, uh, and again, another area that we often spend quite a bit of time up front helping uh, our customers really understand that model ops is truly a business capability that happens to be very technical in mm -hmm. both its relationship to the organization as well as its instantiation. But it is a, you know, model ops solves a business problem uh, and a foundational one in the um, kind of journey toward enterprise AI. Uh, that's great, Stu. Uh, last question. I will let you go. I know you're a busy, busy man. So the, the main question I have is, so, so why now? Why should organizations consider doing model ops now? And what might be one recommendation, one to two recommendations of the first way to get started with a model ops journey? Sure. Well, it's just been our experience that, again, the market uh, timing that most organizations are through um, kind of the, it, the pioneering phase, if you will, of AI, mm -hmm. right? And really... Um, you know, have had enough of then the Wild West phase. So, you know, okay, we pioneered, we kind of get it. It's understand that, that, that both the competitive environments in most industries, whether that's financial services, including insurance or pharma or, or 
uh, manufacturing that um, having an AI capability as a strategic decision capability is required and that all of the pioneering in that is kind of done. And in, in fact, the last few years of the wild west of AI um, has generated enough tangible assets and enough tangible evidence of uh, of, of real value that it's time to start organizing and it's time to start making this an enterprise capability and really embarking on a transformative enterprise journey around enterprise um, AI. And so the first kind of um, foundational pillars for that is the model ops capability as we have just discussed. So I think it's really the demand is there. Um, the, the, the technology has been there for a while and the awareness of the business impact is such that um, the time is right for organizations to invest in and start uh, concretely organizing uh, their AI journey. Awesome. And thanks again, Stu. That was such a, such a great conversation. I appreciate your joining us today. Again, this is Stu Bailey, the, the co-founder and CTO of ModelUp. I appreciate your time today and, and look forward to continuing the discussion around how we can bring some control and compliance into the wild west of AI. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Dave. It's always a pleasure.